morning. Do you appreciate your choir? Didn't they do a great job? Yeah. Give them a hand. They're not done. They're going to bless us with one more song. And while you're uh, clapping, how about the Chimes Choir? Yeah. And we are blessed today to have with us Ralph and Marva Swarthout. Stand up, please, Ralph and Marva, former FCC minister, pastoral care, seniors minister. Be sure to greet them after the service. Hey, we are in the middle of a four-week series on stewardship, and last week we looked at a message entitled, I Believe the Children Are the Future, and this week we're looking at what I believe are possibly the top ten teachings about Christian stewardship. Next week and the week after, we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mountain looking at two messages entitled, The Sermon on the Amount and Right on the Money. But today, we're talking about what are the top 10 teachings of Christian stewardship. And some quick facts to share with you. We shared these last week. I know some of you weren't here last week. From 1993 to 2012, this church was in debt. That's 19 years. That's a long time. And general fund giving from the time that we became debt-free two years ago in May of 2012 has remained under budget month by month for whatever reason. Um, Over the past eight years, our ministry action plan, you may know that as our budget, it's increased by 25%. But hear me say this, First Christian Church is a very blessed body of believers. Last year, 2013, if you put all the giving together, it was our best giving year ever. So my hope for this week and the next couple weeks is not that you will leave feeling like a terrible person, not that you will leave feeling like the sky is falling in terms of our church, but that you will understand there is work for us to do. That some of us, from the time that we became debt-free, we started giving less for whatever reason. Or we started to divert our giving for whatever reason. And and I stand before you and I unashamedly let you know uh, every dollar that is requested for general fund giving is needed and is used for the glory of God. We're in the, the midst of our next steps building campaign. And I believe that that is just absolutely crucial if we're going to be the church we want to be in terms of children's ministry and youth ministry and benevolence ministry. So with all of that in mind, let's tackle this together. But before we do that, I've got something to say. Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother, I say Happy Mother's Day to you. And I want to share with you the top 10 things that mom taught us. And hopefully you will laugh at some of these. Number one is... Mom taught me to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. Have you ever said that? Have you ever heard that? All right. My mom taught me religion. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. Anyone say that? Number three, my mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. I heard that a lot growing up. Number four, my mother taught me logic. Because I said so, that's why. Number five, my mother taught me more logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. (laughs) Number six, my mother taught me some foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Of course, if you're in an accident, well, we won't go down that road. Number seven, my mother taught me irony. Keep crying, and I'll give you something to cry about. I heard that a lot. 
Number eight, my mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. Number nine, my mother taught me about contortionism. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? And number 10, my mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all that spinach is gone. And I was one of those kids that sat there for a very long time. Um, in all seriousness, if you are a mother, God bless you. Thank you for what you do and uh, just continue to do it. Um, all of us who have moms, we, we are grateful for the mothers that we had. And I pray that today is a very special day. I want to share another top ten list with you. And this is not intended to be a long, drawn-out message, but instead kind of shotgun little snippets that hopefully will help you today, later today, this week, even moving throughout this entire month where we have a stewardship emphasis, really start to think about where you're at when it comes to Christian stewardship. And where is your family at? And what is your perspective? And I realize we have a lot of visitors that are here today. And if you're a visitor, just soak it in. Take what you can. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, just soak it in. Take it in. You may find that there's something useful for you as well. T top 10 teachings on Christian stewardship. And I'm going to start with number 10. Number 10 is this. Practicing good stewardship is not optional. It's not optional. I'm stunned the Christians that I will spend time with that view giving as optional. And when I talk about stewardship, I'm talking about what we do with our time and with our treasure and with our talents. And you will not find any place in Scripture where giving is optional. Or, or, or someone that is in a relationship with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, is excused from giving. Now some people might say, well, what about the Levites? The Levites in the Old Testament, they were given a tithe. Yes, but they were also required to tithe on what they received. And so stewardship is what we do with our time, our treasure, and our talents. What do you do with the time that you have, with the treasure that you have, with the talent that you have? I'll give you a great cause ongoing right now where you could make a huge difference in the next 11 days, next 12 days. Little Galilee Christian Camp is kind of in scramble mode, getting ready for family camp on May 23rd and for the, the plethora of campers that are going to arrive a week after that. And they're in the process of building brand new state-of-the-art Hogan's at Wilderness Camp. The money has come in. They've been paid for. They need people that are skilled with a hammer. They need people that are skilled with their hands that can help construct these Hogans. And so that's a way that you could practice good Christian stewardship. It's what we do with our time and our treasure and our talents. Number nine, money cannot buy happiness. Money cannot buy happiness. Church Father Augustine said, where your pleasure is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. And where your heart is, there is your happiness. And, and I think it was the, the modern-day actor Jim Carrey that said, I wish everyone in America could experience the wealth and the material possessions that I have acquired in my lifetime, and they would learn the same lesson that I have. That does not bring happiness. How many of us have been there thinking, if I just made $10,000 more a year, or if I just got to the $100,000 a year range, or if I could just have that house, or if I could just drive that car, or if I could just wear those clothes, 
Money does not bring happiness. Jesus was especially concerned about this for you and for me and for the people that he spent time with as he ministered on earth during his three-year public ministry. And as he got ready to tell the parable of the rich fool, here's what he said in Luke 12. He said, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. He knew in the first century what we know in the 21st century. That if we think things, stuff, money, possessions will make us happy, we're kidding ourselves. Number eight, debt is dangerous. Proceed with caution. Debt is dangerous. Proceed with caution. Nothing will rob a person more of freedom and peace than debt. I've seen debt absolutely destroy the spirit of people. Am I saying it's a bad idea to have any debt at all? I'm not saying that. I'm not even telling you what your perspective or your worldview should be on debt. I'm just saying debt is dangerous. So be careful. Proceed with caution. I've never found this verse before, even though I've read through the Bible a couple times, but it really grabbed me this week. Proverbs 22, verse 7, the poor are always ruled by the rich, so don't borrow and put yourself under their power. That's a great principle. Debt is dangerous. Proceed with caution. Number seven, the love of money is a huge problem in America 2014. Money is more than just paper. Money is a force. And if you don't think that is the case, you're kidding yourself. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mountain, a verse we're going to really focus on two weeks from today, no one can serve both God and money. You can't serve both. And it's why the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, one of his young protégés, late in his life, understand that the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil. Number six, teaching the next generation about stewardship is crucial. And I really want you to listen up. And grandparents, I want you to listen up today as well. We are passionate about teaching our children and our grandchildren all kinds of skills. If we're athletes, we want to teach our sons or daughters how to run at track or shoot the basketball or throw the baseball or tackle in football. If we are skilled mechanically, we want to pass that on to the next generation. Here's the point. Everyone learns about money from their parents. Everyone. There is a great article in the Panagraph, and I've read it online, so I don't know if it's from yesterday or if it's from today. But it's about a couple from Lincoln, Illinois, recent graduates of Lincoln Christian University, and how they tackled like the $42,000 in student loan debt that they had. And one of the testimonies in the midst of that, that that drove this young couple to try to eliminate this debt, I think they did it in like two years, just a crazy amount of time, was the stress that he saw on his parents' marriage related to debt. And that was a lesson that he learned early in life. And it made him better. For some people, that's not the case. Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Um, Right after that, right after that, we see this encouragement in verses 6 and 7. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. We want to teach our children so many different aspects of life. Let's teach them what good Christian stewardship is all about. And let me say this. If you're not practicing good Christian stewardship, if you're not a good money manager right now, if this is a hard sermon for you to hear, it's a great object lesson for your kids. 
It's a great object lesson for your grandkids. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat down with my children and I've said something along these lines. When I was in school, those standardized tests, I always excelled. But when my report card came home, there were always B's and C's. And that's because I didn't do my homework. That's because I didn't care. You're going to be different than I am. Do the same thing when it comes to stewardship. Two words, number five, need to be added to your vocabulary. And it's hard to add them in America. Enough and content. Enough and content. See, you can't take it with you. And you probably have too much stuff already. Um, I, I shouldn't even share this illustration, but I, I was trying to find the one black T-shirt that goes with this shirt in my closet today in the dark at 5 till 6, waking my wife up. I know, happy Mother's Day. And I pulled out like eight black T-shirts that I haven't worn in probably like three years. The neck is stretched out. It's got something goofy on the front, something along those lines. And I just thought to myself, what, what am I doing? Eight shirts in my closet that I haven't worn in years. I've got too much stuff already. I should never buy another black T-shirt. The Apostle Paul says this about contentment in Philippians 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Um, I, I loved my trip to India. We had a whole Sunday that I talked about India. But one of the things that I walked away from as a life lesson for me is stuff doesn't equal happiness or fulfillment or joy. Two words, enough and content. Number four, quit trying to uncover the stewardship formula. It really is all about faith. See, people will come and say, do I have to tithe? Or do I have to give more than a tithe? Or can I get, get away with 5%? Or um, if I start praying every day, or I start reading my Bible every day, does that take away the obligation to give here? Or if I just give a lot of my time, or I just give a lot of my talent, is that enough and I can keep all of my money? They want a formula. You know, pray. Read the Bible, give 10%, and God's really happy. Or maybe the formula looks something along the lines of go to church, go to Sunday school, serve with the youth groups, help with the benevolence pantry, and God is going to just be excited with me more than I can ever imagine. And if you're looking for that formula, you're kidding yourself when it comes to Christian stewardship. I think the closest thing to a formula that we have is a dangerous one. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where, and I won't read it for you for time's sake today, but Paul gives us three principles in verses 6 through 8 of chapter 9. He says you should give generously, you should give willingly, and you should give cheerfully. Chalk that up. Generously, willingly, cheerfully. Some of you are thinking that's a dangerous passage of scripture, isn't it? It is. It is. Number three, giving is not just an act of obedience. It is an act of worship. And I think that that's one thing I never really grabbed a hold of, maybe until like the last five, six years. I always knew God wanted me to give. I thank my church in Champaign. I thank my Christian parents for instilling that in me. 
I always knew I had the obligation to give. I don't think I ever embraced the idea that it is an act of worship. And I think the first time that we see this play out is in the very first book of the Bible, chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. Both brought gifts to the Lord, and the Lord was loving Abel's, and he wasn't really impressed with Cain's. And Cain brought some of what he had, and Abel brought the very best of what he had, the first fruits of what he had. And I think right there, the first fruits, the very best, it warmed the very heart of God. That's why Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter 4, which by the way, Philippians chapter 4, I've never thought of as a stewardship chapter before. Spend time in Philippians chapter 4 this week. A lot of rich nuggets about stewardship. But here's what it says. I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Aphrodite the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When you really step outside who you are and what drives you and look at giving as an act of worship, I believe it does warm the very heart of God. It warms my heart when I see people step outside, maybe even what their their bounds of giving are. And they give radically. They give generously. They give cheerfully. They say, don't mention it. I don't want public recognition. This is between God and me. Number two, this is huge. It all belongs to God anyway. If I had one thing that I wanted to say to you today, that's probably what it is if you struggle with stewardship. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Understand it all belongs to God anyway. So don't think of it as you're giving away 10% of what you have. Think of it as you're keeping 90% of what the Lord has blessed you with if you are a tither, if you tithe. I love Psalm 24. It says, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Number one, I know I went quick this morning. Hopefully you've stayed with me. Number one, top teaching on Christian stewardship If you are blessed, God expects you to be a blessing. If you are blessed, God expects you to be a blessing. Andrew Murray said, the world asks, what does a man own? Jesus Christ asks, how does he use it? And I love this scripture from Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for our moms. And thank you for the money and the material possessions that you've blessed us with. And it's my prayer, Father, that um, we will all take very seriously what Christian stewardship is all about. And that if we are not excelling in this, as Adam said during the, uh, during the offering meditation, that we will have the goal of excelling in, in this gift of giving. Thank you for the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to do invitation a little different today, and I don't want you to stand up. I just want you to stay seated. But we are offering an invitation as the choir shares one final special with us today. And if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, I'm up front. Kent Hickerson is in the back. We'd love to talk with you about that. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, even if you're not a member of our church, even if you're just visiting today, Uh, Kent or I would love to have the opportunity to pray with you as the choir shares our song of invitation.
For the wife who feels betrayed, the child who feels afraid, for the home that is broken by the scars of sin and shame, there is hope and there is healing in the power of Jesus' appreciation one more time. Give him a hand. Amen. Amen. Great job. 
Thank you for worshiping with us today. want to remind you one final announcement. This Saturday is our 5K to raise 5K. It is not too late to walk or run. We're starting at like 645 with registration. The race is at 8. All money raised goes to summer youth trips. It is a great opportunity. Let's close our service with a word of prayer. God, thanks for today. And for how you bless us, I thank you for our choir and for our chimes and for the gift of music. And I thank you for the specials that they've blessed us with, the worship that that we've experienced today through special music. And I pray that as we leave this place, we will never forget the difference your son Jesus Christ makes in our life. Uh, We love you and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Have a great day.